GM fam, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Avatar. I'm your host, Crafter, and today I'm joined by the one and only Rufu. What's up, dude? Hey, buddy. How we doing? Doing good, man. Um, just want to do a little, little bit of housekeeping quick, and then we'll dive on into this. Um, we have... I don't know if anyone's in the the studio with us yes but yet but we are um let's switch over to my screen we are streaming from the fungi family social hub over in the sandbox so if you guys want to come join us um we are hanging out inside of the social hub i don't know if rufu if you're in there yet but um i'm in there hanging out and switch it over I didn't. I don't see anyone else yet. Um, just me and my big old alligator. But oh, don't worry, I'm here. You just gotta find me. I was gonna say, are you wandering <laughs> around? <laughs> I thought I saw. It, it was. Are you wearing an Andy avatar? Andy, uh, it's kind of unfortunately stuck in the ambassador suit. Oh, oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah. so I, I saw something shiny running around. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I wonder who that is. Um, I, that I'm actually you. closer than uh, what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, there you are. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we are in here. Um, if anybody wants to come join us live, um, feel free to hop in. I can drop. I'll drop the links into the chat here in just a second. I gotta get my screens figured out here. Um, I'll drop the link into the chat if anyone is new to the sandbox. There's a link coming that'll uh, kind of this YouTube video should help uh, guide you through it. If you do need to know, I know a lot of y'all that are tuning in live right now are already um, very familiar with how to use the sandbox. But there's a link in case you don't know how to do what you, do what we're doing uh, and you get everything downloaded and come join us. What up, frenemy hodl? um everybody um we will have a form for y'all to fill out at the end of the podcast so make sure you stay tuned till the end and um you'll get some experience points as well as a chance to win 50 sand thank you sandbox for helping us out with that giveaway and sponsoring it so um 50 sands going to one lucky winner at the end and without further ado let's dive on into it um how are you? And I know this is, is this early for you? You're in Australia. I don't know exactly how early it is. I think you said you just woke up. So um, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing all right, mate. It's like 10 o'clock in the morning here. Um, yeah, it's quite That's a sunny day out where I am. It's going to be pretty warm as well today. We're still coming into summer, but yesterday it was 28. But because of where I live in Australia... 28 with humidity feels like uh, 30 degrees, 35 degrees at this time of year. So it's pretty hot. Mm. I don't know what that is in in Fahrenheit. I'll see if I can convert it, but just put it, it's pretty hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere in the 90s to 100 range. 90s, kind of 90s to 100. Okay. Yeah, I just, uh, I was actually, I'm not in uh, Texas anymore, but I was, I've, I've been living in Austin for the last four years and um we just packed up and are starting a digital nomad journey around the world again me and my wife and uh we'll be back to austin but when we left it we had just experienced i think it was two months worth of 100 degree days in a row and or more 100 or more and 
<laughs> that gets old after a while, let me tell you. So, um, is that how it is in Australia? It's hot so, for a long time. I'm on the east coast, so I used to live in Sydney. Now I live up uh, in Queensland, which is north of Sydney by about 12 hours. So Queensland's a massive state to the north. Um, Sydney's more. It's actually weird. When I lived in Sydney, temperatures could get anywhere up to 45 degrees Celsius. Like during the bushfires uh, we had in 2019, uh, it was we had about four or five days where it was 48 degrees back to back to back. And then the rest of the bushfire season, it was 42, 45, somewhere in that range with humidity just being crazy. Mm. It felt like 55 most days. But... Um, now where I live up in Queensland, I'm in this perfect middle zone because I'm right uh, on the beach. It doesn't really get past 35 except around Australia. Day. It just seems to get around 40. So I'm in this perfect little spot where it's not too humid, not too, you know, cold. Yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 exactly what what I'm I'm looking for. I I <laughs> I love I like to like experience the cold and the hot for a little bit, but I prefer to be right in that. I I don't know what what exact I'm horrible at converting and especially in my head. Um <laughs> but uh, like right in like the 70 75 degree weather, like I love that weather. I could I could yeah, spend I all, all year in that. I'm imagining it's so probably... about 23 degrees you'd love where i live then it's yeah probably doesn't get past 28 most days even in the peak of summer because of it's right on the coast but i was up in brisbane the other day which is in queensland again it's about an hour north of me just for a day doing some stuff um and uh, it was 29 degrees so what's that it's probably about 80 something i would say Okay. 84. And yeah. um, essentially, humidity was just horrible. We got to 28, and then as soon as it got about 2 o'clock, it came down, but the humidity was just bad. Yeah. So it's like that across the East Coast, but when you go into the middle of Australia, it's like nothing you've ever experienced. Like I did the Uluru trip when I was like 14, 15. It's quite a few years ago now. Um, and... Uh, we went to a place called King's Canyon and this was, I think, I can't remember if it was in the middle of summer or in the middle of winter and it was still hitting temperatures of 46, 47 degrees. So mm. just, and with the humidity and the dryness, it felt like 60. It felt like going to Mars would be the way I would, you know, put it like that's 113 yeah. Fahrenheit. Like, yeah. That's and that's at hot. the low end. Like it's crazy. Like you, you, when you go out there and like you just imagine a hundred years ago, people survive like thousands of years ago, people were surviving out that way. Yeah. It's just kind of amazing. <laughs> that is, that is kind of wild to think about that. And like, <laughs> and then I'm, I'm spoiled and have an AC just cranked and, and have it set to, I was always, <laughs> I said it to like 60, 69, 70. So it's like nice and chilly inside. And it's like, I can't imagine <laughs> having to, having to just be outside in this for, for the whole time. And yeah, it'd be crazy. But, um, that's that's good to know though because uh me and my wife like i said we're, we're starting to travel and one of the places we want to go is australia so um we'll have to we'll have to definitely check out the the east coast i'll let you know whenever we're whenever we do that we can for sure hopefully meet up 
Um, what what city did you say you're in? Uh, so I'm in a place called Surfers Paradise. Surfers Paradise sounds great. Yeah, um, it's very touristy. A lot of Americans, British, Europeans, um, like it's it's quite nice. Like um, from where I am now, I'm just poking my head around the window. I can see the beach. So nice. You know. That's what I love. That's what I love. Our first, our first stop on our travels uh, once we leave the U.S. is going to be Bali, and I'm excited to just get back to island life. We we've been to Bali once before, and we've done a bunch of Southeast Asian islands, Um, and I just I love I just love being on the water. So, um, oh my, Bali is basically. It's mini Australia because that's where yeah. every Australian goes on holiday. It's- Seriously, it's, it was tons of Australians when we were there for sure. I mean, it makes sense. It's so so close um, to, yeah. you, to you guys. Like, it can be a bit sketchy. I've been over there once. Um, yeah, I got barley belly last time I was there really badly, so I got uh, the migraine, but not the. Um, I got the migraine, yeah, but it was just horrible on the way back to Australia. It was just the whole time, just absolutely beside myself in pain. But it was nice. We went all the way around Bali. We did a few of the rural places because a lot of people just stay in um, the main capital. Right. That's fine. But like the beauty is down the country. Totally. Beautiful hotels. There's no tourists around or very little. And you know, we went out, we paid a fisherman, random fisherman that we found. This is going to sound really weird, but we did it. Um, <laughs> I think it sounds was like awesome already. 50 Australian dollars. And he took us out in a traditional canoe when we went mahi mahi fishing. Can't remember if we caught a mahi mahi, but yeah, I don't know if you use the same word for this fish, but it's like a rainbow. Like a rainbow? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like a kingfish, but not quite there. They, uh-huh. they get quite big, like human size kind of big they're beautiful fish day i love mahi mahi but it's so expensive and uh yeah that's that's awesome though so you, you didn't catch any though or you don't remember i can't remember it was like <laughs> over 10 years ago yeah i just yeah. know that we went mahi mahi fishing and i know that there was a lot of boats in the area like traditional little skiffs i know they were catching quite a few but i can't remember if we got anything yeah, I I've never I've never fished anywhere as far as like any of like the islands that I've been to. I've fished quite a bit uh in Minnesota where I grew up in in the states, but um I've never gone fishing in the ocean anywhere and I think that would be fun to experience, especially if you just pay so- you said you took it he took out in a canoe. Yeah, like a traditional skiff almost like uh you know the jewel hole with a stabilizer on the side, traditional wooden canoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. seen like 400 years of service and it's still, <laughs> cr- it's still popping along. Going good. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I can't, I can't wait to get traveling again. But, uh, anyways, I mean, this is what this podcast is, is talking about, whatever. So, um, but I do want, I do want to kind of, kind of give everyone an intro that um, maybe doesn't, maybe doesn't know you or or does know you and wants to know you a little bit better do you want to do you want to just let everyone know um what 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 you've been up to and what you're working on and uh and then we'll just continue chatting yeah sure so um basically i'm the head of roo studios it's still like 
doing the paperwork, getting it finalized, blah, blah, blah. But essentially we're Australian studio, mostly Australian stuff, but um, we've got people on our team like OG Shakespeare. We've got um, Cyber Dragon, who's another staff member at the Sandbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're working with 32 Voxel. I don't know if you, I'm pretty sure you saw it. Um, the I've... card that I put up on my yeah, yeah. Uh, Twitter, which looks amazing. Um, they're working on that, plus a whole bunch of other Australian assets. Um, you know, really good guys. They've done a hell of a lot of work for me and, you know, really talented. I think a lot of people were... I got a few messages coming in to me saying, oh, that wasn't made in Vox Edit. So <laughs> it's quite a lot of people out yeah. there that are impressed by their That's, work. And that was, I mean, that wasn't my first reaction when I saw it, but um, but it, my first reaction was, wow, this is like really realistic for for Vox Edit. So, yeah. um, Do you yeah. know where that car's from, by the way? I think one person out of the 1,600 or 1,700 people who saw it noticed where it was from straight away. I don't. It, it didn't pop pop into my head. Where where can I find it? You tweeted about it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. It's on my Twitter. Do you want me to link it to you? Uh, if you have the link, otherwise I can go find it here quick. Um, I got I got you pulled up, anyways. Um, there it is, right here. Boom. There we go. So that's actually from. Uh, <laughs> it's a horror. I wouldn't say comedy, but more of a horror thriller called wolf creek i don't know if you've ever seen that wolf creek movie. nope i, I haven't so, seen it so that's probably why it doesn't actually trigger anything for me but so it's uh fictional sort of very loosely based on facts uh movie about a guy called um well it's based on a guy called ivan malat serial backpack killer in australia so this is just kind of like the australian um it's kind of just like Australia's version of like um, uh, the Chainsaw Massacre, or mm. like <laughs> it's our horror story, but it's yeah. kind of loosely based off real facts that have happened, where a guy basically went out and killed backpackers and hitchhikers over a space <sighs> of ten years. So okay. it's kind of a reference callback to that, and as you'll hear soon, and I'll show you, I'm planning to make quite a few tongue and cheese kind of uh, tongue and cheese, tongue and cheek, tongue and cheek. Uh, yeah, like callbacks to it just because it's funny. Plus, you know, because <laughs> a lot of our audience are European American, you know, a few of you guys are going to see it and kind of get the reference, especially being Australian studio making Australian games. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Essentially, uh, we've been working hard. Uh, we were originally working on what used to be called Trouble Down Under Part One, which was um, what I've been showing off on my streams for quite a while on social media. But then we decided to start on Trouble Down Under Part 1. So Part 1 will lead directly into straight uh, Part 2. But Part 1 is basically... Um, what's that game that... Um, what it's called? Um, Bald at Yacht Club did. It's an infinite uh, pipe sewer game. Uh, Dookie Dash. Dookie Dash. It's like the Australian version of Dookie Dash. Um, okay. If it and, was like more realistic to the theme, if you understand what I'm saying. So yeah, yeah. No, that, you get, that you, makes... basically your character starts in the car. You got to keep driving, survive as long as you can. Points be acquired, you can pick up lives. You can pick up coins, um, 
and then you have obstacles that'll come at you. And I don't know if you've seen any of the teasers I put up, but these obstacles are going to be very Australian and very <laughs> unique. Like we've recently applied to Game Maker Fun, and the uh-huh. feedback we got straight away was, "Damn, this is a unique sort of game. We haven't seen anything like this." And because nice. all our assets are like, I think at the moment we're running off of Trouble Down under Part One. Ninety-nine point nine nine percent of all our assets are custom. It's like nothing okay. you've ever seen before. Hell yeah. Like, I love that. I think I see both sides of it. But I think I think more more games should be made with ninety-nine percent custom assets because it's just it really adds to the the experience of like immersing yourself in the game and and like just I don't know, making it unique compared to other games that you played. Oh, a hundred percent. Like you know, back in the day, I used to, you know, before I understood box editing and game make, I used to use other people's assets just because I was lazy, you know. But now, yeah. coming to a point where I'm, you know, managing a studio, or, you know, own and manage a studio, you kind of come to the conclusion that you need to start making your own assets because using other people's assets to a point is fine as placeholders, but using your own and making a game that's like 100% unique really puts you in your own realm in terms of, um, you know, uh, recognition. Because if you don't um, use your own assets, it kind of works against you in a way. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think I think that's, that's super true. And, I mean, I don't know. I just think you can, yeah, you, you just have more freedom to, to create, I guess, whenever you are using your own assets, right? Like that's that's probably the biggest the biggest pro in my opinion. Um, but I, I think I, I said 99%. I think there's a time and a place for, for using assets that are just base assets because you don't need to be building everything from scratch, I guess. But um, but maybe to begin with, maybe maybe that's like more of the thing is like build whatever, whatever, uh, whatever like world or like ecosystem you're building out, build all of the assets specifically for that world. Um, and then you can reuse those in future games or whatever, but um, have it all be, be for one specific world. I feel like that makes, makes sense. At least in my head, that's how I would approach it. And I think that's, that's how a lot of people do, obviously. Yeah. Like at the moment, um, I'll show you in a minute um, what we're up to in terms of um, prototyping and, you know, um, with Trouble Down Under Part 1. However, um, we're using placeholders from um, Blaze Games for cars just while we're working on ours, which is completely fine to do. But by the time we're done, the game Mm -hmm. should be like 99.99% all custom assets. I think there's one asset I brought off the marketplace because it looks so good, but everything else <laughs> yeah. is custom made and will be custom made. And that's that's what I enjoy. And plus, I, I really feel like there's a hole in the sandbox in terms of avatars or assets from one particular region, which is Australia. I like It's very hard. Like I've seen, I think, one or two assets from Australia and I feel like it's very underrepresented so my spot in the sandbox or stick is to kind of fill that kind of hole 
because I know there's a demand. I've done a bit of market research. There's a big demand for certain Australian memorabilia or like sure yeah 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 i think i think that makes sense i think that would be fair to say without tooting my own horn like i think a lot of people especially americans and europeans um who are in the sandbox they want to see australian assets like i don't know if you've seen my avatar collection which will be coming out not too far in the future um but we're doing like kangaroos emus crocodiles dingoes um we're gonna probably expand it a bit platypus you know we've got nice. like 10 or so different assets there just to kind of fill a gap that's awesome i think i think that's i mean like you said i i don't really know of any any uh aussie avatars or or assets in general out there that, i mean i'm sure there's probably something out there but um but i think that's a that's a great lane to fill especially because like it is it, it's very very unique like there's a lot um there's a lot of different things that are, like when you see you think of australia like you just listed off a bunch of different animals and um i think that i think that's that's one thing that's like in, interesting to me is like for australia being as well known as it is, I don't think I've met uh, maybe one, two. Well, simple. I, I think he's been to Australia. I'm pretty sure, um, but I don't. I don't know very many people who have been to Australia. But there's like so much, so many things that like trigger in our brains, like oh, that's Australia. And I don't even know if that's if it's always true. But um, I wonder why that is. You guys are very well known. You're a very well known country. <laughs> We're like the little brother that's like sort of annoying but very entertaining when drunk. That's how I kind of say Australians <laughs> are. Like <laughs> We're like always rocking you on to do something you probably shouldn't, but it's entertaining, so you do it anyway. Yeah. You know? I feel yeah. like I just I feel like most of America and especially England as well, they still think of Australia as Paul Hogan. You know, and um, uh, it's a beer brand. I'm trying to bloody think of what it's called. Uh, Forster's, like beer. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. And by yep. the way, we don't drink that. I've had it once in my <laughs> life in Australia because it's in the UK. It's really popular for some reason in the UK, but it tastes like dog water. And I've had it in Australia on Australia Day because they were giving it out, and it tastes like dog water. <laughs> so we but don't drink that I've, but, I've i think i've had one or two and yeah i agree it's not great it's it's, <laughs> it's more of a meme something you have to give to you know an american friend when they come over like i'll buy a six pack <laughs> and you know if you ever came over but it wouldn't be something i drink regularly i'm more of a refined you know drinker i'll have something called a stone and wood and it's a pacific ale and it's just yeah, that on a nice summer day just slaps, but nice. never right. would touch a Forster's. <laughs> that sounds like, um, I, well, I know a lot of you. I was going to say, like, there's there's a lot of, like, we call them domestic beers here, but just like the Coors and Bud Light and, um, I don't know, those are the two that pop into my head that are the main, the main two, but kind of sounds like that, that, but at the same time, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of Americans do drink that. So, um, maybe not quite the same because would you say, would you say that is, <laughs> is Foster's a beer that like 
is popular with any demographic in Australia or not really? Uh, maybe some very rural out there community that no one ever knows of, like somewhere way out in the bush and sticks. But I've been to, I used to work in the alcohol industry, so I'm very familiar with alcohol. And I've probably seen, a, I've seen it once or twice. I've been to hundreds of bottle shops. I've seen it once or twice. So it's very, it's very hard to get. Sure. It's not, it, it's probably sent to you guys more than what we have it. You guys probably find once in a blue moon in, uh, I don't know, your bottle shops, but maybe Walmart if they sell it or, you know, it's a special kind of gag or something, you know. You guys are yeah. like, oh, sweet. But, yeah, we don't drink it. It's very hard to get here, at least where I am. I've barely seen it. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I got this, well, I'm not distracted, but a question came in. Uh, I'll pull it up on the screen. Um yeah. And I'll answer it just because we're kind of talking about uh, where, where, what <laughs> locations and stuff. Um, it is, it is cold here, actually. Um, I the question was, where do I live? It looks, it looks cold. Um, I'm wearing a sweatshirt. I, it's, um, I'm in Minnesota right now, so I'm, I'm visiting some family in Minnesota, and it is, it is colder here than. I mean, it's not like super cold, but I'm a freeze baby, so I got a sweatshirt on. Um, but yeah, um, Foster's. Yeah, whatever. I, <laughs> it's not. It's one. It, that's so true. It's like one of those things. Like you see, we would like see randomly in a liquor store when we're I don't know, like going to a big get together or something. Be like, oh, fun to grab some Foster's and act like we're drinking Australian beer. I don't know. <laughs> and doing yeah. Australian accent and then immediately <laughs> regret drinking it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I'm in. Okay, I, I'm. I'm segueing us back. I, I we could we could talk about all all the Australian stuff forever. I'm sure, but um, I'm going to segue us back to the game that you guys are or the games that you guys are developing because it sounded super interesting and something that like I've kind of been contemplating myself um, is so. I'm going to tell you why this sounds interesting because you you brought up Dookie Dash. And I really like the way that um, the way that Yuga is rolling out these different games that kind of build on top of each other, but they don't they don't really last forever. You just play them you play them for a little bit to then unlock something that then you can use in the next game. And that like the way that they roll it out is you can't even go play those games anymore; they're just done. Um, I don't know if you need to necessarily do that, but um, but I love that idea of like little little mini games kind of leading up to a bigger game or or I mean, it doesn't have to lead up to a bigger game, but I think it's a cool way to roll things out. And it kind of sounded like that was what what you guys are kind of doing as well. Um, so do you want to I, I think it was I got to find the screen. My screens are being all weird. There we go. Um, the, the this roadmap are the is that kind of what you're doing is like three three games leading up to up to something bigger or i don't know explain this roadmap to me <laughs> yeah so trouble down under part one leads into two and three so two was originally if you've seen my streams eons ago um two was now sorry trouble down under part two 
will still be in there. Heads just going to be reshuffled. So essentially, one leads to two, two leads to three, and there might even be a path four down the path, just depending on time and constraints and everything. But it's all linked in. It'll be a continuous story. You know, like it, it's going to be one of the first sandbox games that has basically its own universe it's set mm. in its own universe it's it's going to make sense the whole plot why it all links in like it's like um oh, is it pixar pixar cinematic yeah, universe sounds... where it's all it's all linked in but it's not like it'll right, be right, more right. obvious than pixar but it's going to be all linked in together so plot of part one basically is you're driving down an australian highway it'll start out in the desert and eventually what it'll do with the moment we're still working on this because it takes a lot of um, game maker functioning and testing to get it to work but it'll switch biomes so you'll be in the desert and then the next um you'll go for a tunnel and it'll switch so instead of being just in one location it will switch sort of like um there was a game jam a while ago and it was i think it was called triathlon and they used portals to switch and ours will be using tunnels so you'll drive through a tunnel and it'll switch to another location using the okay. void function. So we're looking to do um, beach, uh, like a beach theme, a farm theme, snow theme, outback. And we'll also have other like little mini events during some of these biomes. So essentially you can have a dust storm going in the outback to make it harder for the player. There'll be one where there's a bushfire. That's one I'm really looking forward to. So I'll be using VFX. So we'll be mimicking a bushfire. So players sure. will be driving um, through a biome. So it'll start off normal. And then a bushfire sign will pop up on the side of the road. And then it'll get darker and darker. And the flames using VFX will basically set the mood that the forest around the road that you're driving on is burning and you have to keep going and unique obstacles will spawn. And again, we're a little bit away from this just because we're still early days, but we've done a lot of work on this and it is a hundred percent possible. It just takes a lot of time to map out. So essentially we're going the full Monty with this. We're going to be the, basically one of the first, if not the first um, infinite runner games and definitely the first Infinite Runner game set in this unique um, setting. So part one, basically, survive as long as you can, uh, dodge the obstacles, animals, vehicles. And then part two delete, delete, uh, is basically the follow-on, because obviously you're going to break down eventually. Part two, you've got to find parts for your car, fix it up. Um, do side quests, like maybe count emus, cull a few dingoes, things like that. Like we're playing into the Australian stereotype as it's a bit of a meme, you know, like most yeah. Americans will think, oh, Australia, you know, we're fighting dingoes <laughs> yeah. and koalas each day. So that's what we're playing at. Yeah, and I then like that. Right at the end of part two, once you've gone through all of that, we're playing on the biggest meme of them all, which was in the 1950s and 60s. The US dropped nukes in Australia. What? I don't know if you know that. So the, <laughs> nope. Australia was a um, testing ground for nuclear devices. I can't remember exactly where it is. Hold on. Let me test. Let me Google it. I know what happened. I just can't remember where it was. Um, 
did the US test nukes in how, Australia? It happens. How, uh, how many conspiracies are around this thing? I bet you, <laughs> probably I bet a you lot. there's all kinds of stuff out there. Malalaganga. It's in serves so two points. There's one in WA and one in West Australia. Um, sorry, South Australia and West Australia. Um, two spots where they tested nuclear bombs in 1955. So what we're playing at here, and I don't know if you've seen, there's a few hints at it on my Twitter. Um, we're going to basically play it that there's a U.S. Army base. And so this is all set in the present, a U.S. Army base, and they accidentally set off an undisturbed nuke that's been sitting in the ground for a while. And this is where it gets interesting because in part three, the plan at this point is to have radioactive zombie uh, zombie kangaroos, dingoes, emus. So we're really going down the okay. drop bear path. Yeah. So we have already started making US Army soldiers to go along with this theme, Army vehicles. So we're going the full Monty of the deadly animals in Australia. Like, Dude. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, to be honest, I, I don't, you don't come across my, my timeline very often. So I don't really know a whole, <laughs> a, whole a whole lot that you've been up to, but this is all sounding, sounding awesome. And I hate Twitter for that. Cause they're, it's like, I follow people for a reason show me the people that I follow. Not, not all this bullshit that I don't even care about. Um, but anyways, um, that's a, <laughs> that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic for for another day but um i love i love everything that i'm hearing and i think it, i think it's cool how you're the the three parts i think that's a that's an awesome way to to approach it is there when people are playing along with these with these through these three parts like playing part one will you if you do good at the game unlock stuff that is more useful than people that did less good at the game for part two so at the plan the moment that's not the plan so okay. essentially the sandbox is still working out how they well at least my understanding from when seb had his last ama was that they're still working out the monetization and basically the connection between the experiences at this point if you're making your own experiences slash you know um universe in the sandbox if you will so it's kind of hard to do that at this point but what the plan is to is to use a pass system or maybe uh gated behind an nft just depending on how the sandbox does it but playing part one won't give you advantages in part two it's all a level playing field across the whole thing gotcha so i feel like it if we added features like if you did really well in part one you would get items in part two it might be a bit op and unfair especially when we're doing contests which i'll come into in a second so just keep it fair that way but there'll definitely be ways to boost yourself in part one like how do i describe that to you gotcha yeah. um but let's there might be something like um we could even get to the point, and this is all theory because we don't know what the sandbox is doing, where if you buy a special NFT, uh, you get 10 extra lives. Mm -hmm. Or we could just do it as an arcade system for part one, especially where each time you play, you pay, you know, one sand. 
Right. So it's right, more right. like an arcade, but you, there won't be a paid win, a paid advantage by paying. You know, like a huge yeah. advantage. Like you won't get double speed or something. Like we want it to be as fair as possible because part one, what we're planning to do is a trip around Australia kind of competition. So this is all still, you know, up in there because the game's in development. But what we want to do essentially is hold five or six different events where, so like Dookie Dash, we got our own leaderboard. Mm-hmm. People compete for the highest score. Um, obviously, they've got a buy-in um, to this contest, so this will be a paid contest. People will play for the best time. Top five are awarded a proportion of the sand earned from um, sales. So I think it's like 80% at the moment is the marketing plan. goes back. So let's say 10,000 sands raised. 8,000 of that would go back to the players. That'd be the prize pool for the mm-hmm. top five. So we do that five times and people would buy passes each time and the prize pool would be dependent on the funds raised. Right, right. So we're doing some really cool stuff. Yeah, for sure. I I love that. We got some really cool stuff planned and there'll be ways to earn sand back and there'll also be NFT drops. And what we're also planning to do is let's say the top five win sand, the top 50 get a custom NFT from you know it could mm-hmm. be a boomerang it could be a didgeridoo you know not something yeah. huge but something that something says you... i participated in this and you know yeah that's like the uh um i'm the the only reason i'm and i i hope you take this as a compliment i'm comparing a lot of what you're doing to the other side is because or to the yuga stuff is because you're doing a lot of stuff that they're doing and i think they're they're masters at, at at the at the game that we're all playing so i think it's a good one to to model after but like um they gave everyone who won like the first the first big test that they did they had like four teams and one of the teams that won everyone on that team got like a helmet that they'll be able to wear on the other side eventually um so yeah i I think that's that's always a good strategy too, is to just kind of give out unique stuff for participation. Um, yeah, and yeah. as I'm starting to learn, I'm pretty sure you understand this. Avatar, like at the moment, obviously we can't make avatars and customize them a hell of a lot. You can customize set avatars that the sandbox makes or partners make, but when it comes down to people being able to make their own avatars eventually or something similar to that, they want to wear custom stuff. They want to have cool, unique things. So, like, right. I don't know. Yeah, you're looking at my avatar there in the photo. Um, photo you had up on Twitter before. My bad. <laughs> Taking the hat and segmenting the hat that I've got on my head and using that as a prize. I think a lot of people would like having, you know, Australian um, outback kind of hat. I forget what they're called. There's a special name for them, but having that on their character mixed along with a my little pony jacket <laughs> mixed along with yeah. um i don't know um crocodile boots or um you know something really funky like i've seen a lot of people start trying to do that already you know yeah. make the avatar like it, it it doesn't look uniform it looks crazy and it's kind of cool but it's kind of um, cool yeah i think you know i think that's 
I think wearables are going to be huge in this this metaphor. Like we're at the very beginning of it, and we've already seen before this stage where now like NFTs are wearables. There's there's always been skins in these different games, and we all I mean not we all, but the, if you don't know, the sales on skins is insane. Like the, the, these these companies are making a lot of money just from people buying skins, um, and and like that's that's only going to bleed into as we segue into more of a metaverse world like all the wearables that are going to be out there like the people th that's what we love to do we love to we love to mix things up and and put different things on and it, it's going to be just the same in the metaverse and we're at the early stages of that with the sandbox and i i think wearables is where it's at at least if you're um trying to like appeal to to your audience because like your audience wants to do things and show off different things and and plus it helps it helps i think uh, when i had seb on the show that he even touched on this like having wearables for your brand like that that's like free advertising as as people wear that around to to other into other experiences and stuff so um yeah, yeah. and like i feel like i could you could do it a few studios could do it a different way they could sell their wearables or they just give them away like for me, you've got a vest, a hat, shorts, and pants, and a boomerang that you could possibly give away. And I think, to me, it's more rewarding to give these things away than to sell them even for one cent. That's what I'm probably going to go towards, our studio's going to do. We're going to put these items up as, you know, for the first um, competition, you might get the hat. The top 50 participants will get a hat. Then after that, um, the second round, it'll be the vest. And the mm -hmm. third round will be the pan. Doing it that way. So everyone gets a chance to get some, you know, something. Yeah. And people don't like what they get. They can sell it and then trade it back and, you know, get what they want. And I feel that's the better way to do it these days with contests instead of just hitting everyone with, you've got to buy the hat, you've got to buy the vest. Like, if you want to do that, that's your own thing and, you know, fully support that. But in my opinion... I prefer doing it the way I'm doing it, which is, or plan to do it, which is give away wearables and let people play around with it. Let them be quirky. Let them put a kangaroo hat on a, you know, a shark. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> I see your character at the moment's wearing a hat. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Dude, my, I, I just picked this dude up the other day. Uh, a wet noodle, I think is who I already forgot. I think it was wet noodle. Pretty sure. Uh, he had one of these and I was like, I was like, what collection is that? Cause I want to get one. And this, this dude was on the floor. Um, and I was like, I'm picking that up cause he's pretty cool looking, isn't he? Um, yeah, I but, almost thought that was an Australian hat to be honest. It looks like a slouch hat almost. It might be, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about this collection other than they have cool avatars in the sandbox. <laughs> so I bought one. Um, but yeah, it, uh, I, uh, what the hell are we talking? Oh, I, I agree. And I like your strategy more, but I think there's a, there's a time and a place for both, obviously, or you can do, you can do both at the same time even. But, um, I think, I think giving away, uh, wearables and stuff is a, is a cool thing to be able to do. Um, so um i love i love that that's what you get that you guys are kind of planning on doing especially based off of like gamified stuff i think that just makes it fun and 
and and it's rewarding. I mean, it's basically, I mean, that's that's in essence play to earn, and that's the cool thing. That's the cool thing about um, this NFT technology that I think a lot of people miss is that like you you're playing a game. There's so many games that you play the game and you earn things throughout playing the game that could be NFTs, but because they're not, they're locked inside of that that game game silo. And if there's no marketplace for for those things, you're just playing the game and you can't sell this stuff or anything. But um, but it turns into play to earn whenever the Web three stuff is incorporated into it, because then you you really can turn around and if you did earn the hat or the boomerang or whatever and you didn't want it or or you wanted something else and but you didn't have the money to get that something else then you could sell that boomerang and then go buy the the kangaroo hat or something like um i think that's that's what's so cool about this technology um and being incorporated into games specifically so yeah like i i feel like here's a good example People play the events that come out, the sandbox official events that have the mystery boxes elements to them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people just want the sand. But in my opinion, if you're given something else, like an NFT, usually they're wearable in some way, like a wand or it could be a robe or a piece of special clothing. That's more valuable to me than five sand because less people are going to have the robe than what are going to have the sand in some instances so right 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 you know that's why i think especially with my collection and you know maybe i'm talking myself up here but <laughs> i feel like the hat is going to be very popular in the vest in my case and yeah i could make a decent amount of money selling them but my shtick is that i want people to have things that are rare so i won't be minting a thousand of them It'll be uh-huh. rarer than that. So right. I want people basically to be not fighting over them, but I want there to be a demand there. Yeah. And if you if you sell them, people will just buy fifty of them and then, you know, manipulate the price. But if you give them away, it makes it harder for people to do that. And it maintains integrity of your wearables, if that makes sense. Totally. So that's what I'm trying to aim for. I want to give people what they want and also make sure there's no manipulation of the pricing. Because let's say, best case scenario, the hat does really well and it becomes like this, you know, I want to have that kind of thing and people start, you know, bidding for it essentially in open sea. I want to make sure that the integrity is there, you know? Yeah. To make sure that there's no market manipulation. Like, I don't know if you saw... There's a very famous YouTube video out there where someone brought, um, oh, what did he buy? He brought all this Vegemite and it pushed the Vegemite up. Like he was buying it wholesale. So he's basically manipulating the wholesale uh-huh. Vegemite price market. And I don't want people to do that. So just another yeah. wave. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I definitely see that side of things too. I I really like the... I really like the idea of like scarcity around around things, wearables and stuff. Like definitely like I don't know, like what what kind of scarcity are are you leaning towards? Cause I, I go both ways. It's like you could do like hundreds or you could do like twenty. 
or 50. Like put it this <laughs> put it this way, the kangaroos, emus, dingoes, all the popular ones. I don't think there's going to be more than a hundred of them. Uh huh. So like it will be like I don't know exactly what the guidelines are. Actually, I think I do, but I'm not allowed to say them. Um, the guidelines <laughs> are for um eventually when minting becomes a thing, how many you can mint of certain collection. I think the sandbox, and I think Seb said it before, the emphasis is on keeping rarity. They don't want having 10,000 copies. Right. So essentially, I think the goal there is if you want a kangaroo and you miss out on a kangaroo, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to buy it off someone and, you know, they could be attached to it. So you might have to spend a bit of money on it to get it once it's out. So, because I know already... The dingo, kangaroo, koala, and uh, there's one more, emu, have a lot of demand for. I'm not are talking they... myself up there. I've been messaged quite a bit about them. When are they coming to market? When are they coming to market? Nice. So my goal is to put 100 or so up of each and then see how it goes. And eventually, if it goes really well, I have an option to make a baby version of a koala, dingo, mm. emu, and kangaroo. So there'll be a s- smaller collection there as well, a little sub collection. Yeah. But there won't be many of those. So it gets even rarer again. So there might only be 50 of the baby variety of each one. Here's a thought. This is just a wild off the, off the cuff crafter thought. Yeah, go for it. What if what if you did so you have the you have the um we'll use the kangaroos. You have the the hundred well then we'll use a hundred. Hundred kangaroos. Then you could in you could do some sort of like breeding system and allow people to actually create their like if they had to create their own baby one and that would be a cool way to allow them to I guess like um, be able to have something like it's kind of like a, the board ape mutant thing. Like it's giving, giving back to somebody that already, already bought it um, and allowing them to sell to the market. Um, so but maybe, in a way, sorry, no, you're good. In a way similar to what fungi is doing with the fungi. Yeah. Yeah. You could do something like I've never thought Kinda. of that to be honest, but you could mince hundred kangaroos and then mint a hundred baby kangaroos and then people have to buy a pass or something or maybe they don't maybe they just get the baby kangaroo or i don't know you could definitely do something like that'd be cool it's actually a good thought i'll write it down now yeah yeah Um, something to think about the 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 whole idea is not fleshed out there but (laughs) but like something along those lines could be kind of cool because there's actually three varieties of kangaroos there's the eastern gray there's the red kangaroo and there's the alberno kangaroo. So there'll be 300 in total different varieties okay. of kangaroos. Okay. And then maybe, maybe, no promises, I might make a golden kangaroo Ooh. as like the ultimate giveaway. It'll be exactly the same, but it's gold. And oh, there'll yeah. only be five of those. I was going to say, there should be like one or yeah, five. five. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it'd be very rare. I might do that for the kangaroo and emu, just because they're their national icon. And they'll be very exclusive to get. So I think a lot of studios and people listening, I think 
if you're planning to do a release of something, whether it be, you know, uh, it could be an American bald eagle or it could be a camel, I think scarcity is something you've really got to consider. Because if you flood the market and you make a thousand or so um, assets, and even if they're five cent each, you could sell, in theory, a thousand of them. But, you know, it might be harder to, um, they might not be as popular. But if you make a scarcity, and I'm not saying artificially make it like really scarce, but if you find the right balance and scarcity, you'll find that your item will be more on the radar. People will be mm-hmm. like, oh my God, there's only 50 of those. I'm going to get them compared to, oh, there's a thousand of them. I'll buy them next week, you know, right. kind of thing. Right, right. Like, it's something you got to consider in your business plan. Like, I'm no expert on this, but like, you, you'll see, like, with the Blaze Studios cars, they made a scarcity. People were like, oh, those are cool. I'll buy them. There's not that many of them. Bam. They basically were sold. Right, right. Did decently on the sell. And I think that's what my main point here without babbling is that <laughs> you've got to, you just got to control your scarcity and make sure that you're not overpopulating the market with, you know, your asset. Right. If there's a thousand crocodiles and, you know, you're making a collection of a thousand crocodiles, <laughs> there's a lot of choice there. So you want to make sure there's a bit of scarcity and that your item stands out. That's what I've been trying to do. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good strategy. I think you're on the right track, and that's great advice. If if I were listening, I would be taking it. Um, I am listening, and I am taking it. Um, <laughs> um, are I? I don't know if you you probably did say this at one point, but are are the are all of these that going to be like avatars that people can? be this is what the kangaroos and everything are i think the plan is to make those assets okay i don't know if i'm i think i don't know how the sandbox is going to do that they haven't released how they're doing avatars i know it'd be cool to make everyone (laughs) kangaroos and you know have them hop around like it'd be very uh, it'd be very cool but like that might need to be its own asset uh, like avatars i think will be completely separate to nfts i think it'll be a completely different kettle of fish i don't know if that'll be possible there's definitely something to consider we could make a social hub and let everyone jump around as kangaroos different varieties (laughs) and show off yeah but um do you mind if i share my screen i was going to show off oh yeah yeah let's let's see it before i forget Um, let me me get over here i think that's up So this is um, the most recent version, well, one of the most recent versions of um, the prototype that we're working on. So this is built on a two by two. Don't worry about the weather. It's just bugged. It doesn't look like this. It looks like the surface of Mars at the moment. Um, so this is what we're working off. It's built off a two by one. Um, still a lot of work in progress. Things are not 100%. We're actually redoing the logic on the moment at the moment on another build. This is a little bit outdated, but essentially you've got your road surface, you've got your vehicles that come towards you. So this is basically the player, it can move side to side. However, all the assets come towards the player, giving the illusion of movement. 
Gotcha. So we're using a platform system at the moment and void function, as you can see. And there's a lot of logic going on here. It's not easy to do. We're touching something that hasn't been done before. So it is the infinite slider game. So I think Flappy Sandy Bird was an example. There sure. was, um, I don't know if you remember, it was a game jam entry. It was like a cat game. So it followed the same principle, but that used levels. This is infinite. So it doesn't switch between levels. So it's a different mechanic. It's very uh, complex to get this to work. Like we've been <laughs> fiddling around with this. Like, we're, we're one of the guys on our team is um, Cyber Dragon. Yeah, he's, yeah, uh, I know. He's Cyber's, very talented. He's yeah, yeah, very talented in this field. And yeah, we've we, he's uh, extensively gone back and forth with this just because of how complicated the mechanics are. So eventually, we hope to share the mechanics. I think it's also a yeah. requirement of the game maker fund to show how we did it, but. Yeah, it's not easy because if you saw the demo that I released, I don't know, four, five, six months ago, we were doing it off a two by one. Now this is sorry, a one by one. This is now on a two by one, which gives was it that... a lot more depth. Okay. I was gonna say what was why did yeah. you do that? Why did you go from a one by one? So one? the two the problem with a one by one is that especially in a game like this, especially with also game maker being as quirky as it likes to be. We uh -huh. all know how game maker can be sometimes. <laughs> um, is that on a one by one, all the cars get stuck at one end eventually. Like if you play it for 20 minutes, it, all the cars will start spawning near each other. And we've got no idea why it does it. It's just quirky like that. And also, we want to give the illusion of an actual highway. You know, so yeah, we need that yeah. depth. We yeah. need things popping in at the right time. Like, the power lines will animate it, as you'll see in a second. So we need the cars to actually look like they're on a highway. And, you know, when you're driving on a highway, as you probably know, you can only see cars to a certain distance in front of you. And that's what we're trying to replicate here to a point. Like the cars pop into view and then slowly come towards you. Like you're moving faster than the cars in front of you on a highway. That's what we're trying to mimic. And it's very hard to do it on a one-by-one. One. So... After we finish the demo, we've moved to a two by one, which is a lot easier to use. And OG Shakespeare, who was another one of our game maker artists, is actually yeah, legend as well. He's yeah. actually put a fake platform here to give it more depth as well. And we're going to do it on all oh, sides. So. I see. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. another little trick. I didn't even know about it, but it works. Definitely works. You can give your land a bit more depth. To make it feel more real. I've seen, I guess I've seen things hang off the edge. So yeah, that makes sense that you could just do that. Nice. Shakespeare. Yeah. You're so fucking smart. I love, I love Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, he, he knows what he's doing. Mate. I'm sitting yeah. here like, I don't know, sucking my thumb while he's explaining these things. Like yeah. it just goes straight over my head sometimes. Like all the mechanics here, like there's a lot going on here and there's some under the surface as well. There's, heaps of functions like you should see it the way we've got it set up now we're refining this to make it clearer and um a lot of the function there is super hard to get working especially these these are tutorial signs so we're going to have our own tutorial that'll be skippable as well uh nice. don't mind the color the colors are work in progress they're going to be green um so yeah without further babbling i'll just show you what it looks like at the moment no, I, lo I love this this is some of my favorite is like getting to see behind the scenes stuff. 
So don't mind uh, the the kangaroos and emus uh, just <laughs> randomly coming across in trees at the moment. Um, oh, yeah, there we go. So this is an older version, so it's not perfect. So ours won't spawn at this point. It'll just be a tutorial. Um, just this is an older version, so it hasn't been fixed up. The next version is on someone else's PC, so it's not up live yet. Sure. But um, you got your tutorial. You'll be able to skip this. All this will be refined. So this is just an early work. Obviously, it'll be a lot more precise, a lot more like come towards you faster, but move off faster. It's just template. Yeah, yeah. No, it's but, awesome um, though. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of games, especially a game like this, you need to not baby the player through, but you've got to give yes. them a bit of guidance. <laughs> yes, you do, because otherwise you get somebody like me that shows up and just dives on into the game and doesn't know what the hell they're doing and doesn't know how to play it. And then it's like, all right, this is stupid. And then moves on to the next game. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, have it's... have a good tutorial that, that just quickly kind of walks you through the basics. And, and then there could be other tutorials that you can find along the way. But, like, one good, solid tutorial in the beginning, uh, it's so crucial. Yeah, and, like, again, a lot of this is work in progress. There'll be more background assets coming um, towards the player as well. So it'll look more refined in about a month's time. Uh, we're just working on a few more assets at the moment before we push it all out and make another big update. So yeah. one of the bugs, and this is something that's been worked on at the moment, is for some reason cars take about 30 seconds to spawn after the tutorial. I don't know why it does that. It's just a weird quirk uh -huh. being worked on. A lot of this stuff, we all know what's going on. We're just fixing it at the moment. It's the reason we've got Cyber Dragon on our team. It's a legend at Game Maker stuff. I was, was so. going to say, that's a great dude to have on your team. So, hell yeah. Yeah, like, it's a huge perk, you know. He's a very talented guy. He's also another Aussie. Uh, he's from Victoria, you know. Yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, the peasant state, as we call it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's really talented and stuff. So, as I was saying before, we're going to have a weather pattern through our game. So, this yeah. one's pretty basic. It's just a night-day cycle with dusk, dawn put in there but essentially we're going to have um outback thunderstorms i don't know if you've ever seen like discovery channel and they show it off like an outback um thunderstorm and it looks really scary like the sky I, goes completely black and yeah i feel like i have i i mean i have to have i i watch so much <laughs> so many things like that i have to have yeah. seen that at some point so it'll be a dust storm. So this one will have, this biome itself will have a, like six or seven different weather events or maybe a little bit more than that, maybe eight weather events that are unique to it. So That's these weather cool. events are going to be, you know, really distinct. It'll be like nothing you've ever seen. And when I'm saying, like, talking in few, um, basically because it hasn't been done yet, it is possible. We've already done it on a test build and give us about three months and you'll see a huge huge change in this because we work in about blocks of three months and as you can see you hit an object your car dies at the moment um we don't have a live system just because um essentially with the way testing works it's easier to have the live system turned off but it is something that will be added the okay. player will be starting with three lives and then you can collect lives up to six. Oh, okay and like um, essentially there'll be a custom score system so at the top middle like dookie dash 
you'll have a score system that's based off distance and you'll also be able to collect power-ups and stuff to go faster and um you know add points to your score so there'll What's... be real incentives to collect them but they might be in hard locations to get so they right. could be in between the car right here so uh -huh. you're gonna need skill to get them so hell yeah i love that i'm excited to play this these are the kind of games i love playing is like I don't know what is it, like arcade games, I think would be a good title. Yeah, um, it'd be definitely maybe. an arcade game. Yeah, like, yeah. and things like, if you can see at the moment, see how the car's hopping? Yep. Yeah. So because of a game maker bug, we removed it. But if you stay on the shoulder of the road like that, it'll damage the car. It'll be very realistic. So if you basically, <laughs> huh. players can't sit here. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Gotcha. So, they'll take damage it'll hop the car there'll be a vfx where it's kicking up dust so nice. you've got to stay on the road essentially so we've already thought of players exploiting and doing stuff like that nice. so we, we, what uh so we, yep what what uh what length of gameplay do you guys expect or is it hard to know until it gets finished and not you know how or, or are you planning for a certain length of gameplay like on average so the way we're kind of setting it up is, and this is something I'm talking to um, OG Shakespeare about at the moment, is the first five minutes of this game will be relatively easy, where basically anyone, even like someone eight years old, can play it for five minutes without dying. Uh -huh. After the five-minute mark, it's like where we start, you know, really kicking it off to Ramping the point where... Up yeah players are going to have to really focus to you know continue like um all these cars here and that are placeholders so they cut we can't change the speed of them that easily but with all the and i'll show you in a minute with the um, asset sheet we're going to have custom cars with custom speed set to them so they can go different speeds and how i mean that is the wheels will go faster and we'll platform them so they can go different speeds so they'll start off slow then medium then really fast so they'll start flying back towards the player faster sure. added with vfx it'll make it a lot harder to survive after that five minute mark so the skill really kicks in so people are going to need muscle memory they're going to need to be concentrating on this uh -huh. so yeah. If, yeah you, if you're really good you could play in theory infinitely because i've left this running for about two hours and yeah even with the lives even even with the fact that we've left the life system off at the moment yeah. this runs for two hours without breaking i think nice. the two hour market just for whatever reason something I'm, happened i'm in, i i can't wait to see what the top scores are for it once it's it'll be all done. it'll be interesting because like the problem is at the moment we're waiting on game maker funding as you know that can take a little bit of time <laughs> I, I i know very well <laughs> yeah um, so we're we're waiting on that to come through because as you know making assets is an expensive endeavor totally. so um yeah we're gonna basically as soon as we get that we've got our um, 32 voxel artists uh, studio ready to make a whole bunch of cars side um items background items all these kind of things um ready and we'll go through the next huge push so you should see this game probably about march of next year is the feeling at this point okay um, with everything yeah. done 
it's just, yeah, weighing on assets can be the thing that really slows us down. All these coins will be updated. Everything will be completely refined. All these cars you see at the moment won't be here. They'll be completely custom cars going through the whole game. So we've got, we've got a lot planned, to be honest. We've got Legit. a hell of a lot planned. Dude, and, uh, not that I have any, any pullover at the sandbox, but what's the holdup? Like... <laughs> these guys have a cool ass game that's basically almost developed and they just need some funding to get it get it finished like can we can we help these guys out and make this process a little bit faster um I, that's my that's my rant you don't have to say anything about it um but um that's how i feel it, yeah it's a complicated endeavor um put it that way there's a lot of applications and being a sandbox staff member uh well, yeah junior staff member i'll put it that way um i understand why it takes so long but it would be nice if it got kicked through you know sooner rather than later but it just it it, feels like it feels like there needs to be some more systems in place to kind of facilitate it a little bit better i think they just haven't figured out a good system for it is, yeah, is, is my feel anyway it's got a lot better since the beginning they used to chuck money at people with no ex- expectations this now is game maker true. funds there's a lot of expectations there's a lot of paperwork there's a lot of financial not financial legal obligations to basically you got to sign a contract you sign your life away with the game yeah. maker fund yeah they want to make sure and it's the right thing to do they've got to make totally. sure that people are going to actually build what they're promising and not just take the money and run yeah that's why payments for game maker are made of milestones not just one lump but exactly. like this is the asset list we're working on so there's a lot here so these a lot of these cards like besides the juice box and this is another thing our cars are not going to be named after their real life equivalents they're going to have some weird names so cars like holden commodore are going to have a completely different name to the Holden Commodore. They're going to be called um, for the Commodore. What do we come up with? The Lads Car, uh, the Juice Box. We've got. I was going to say is the Juice Box deposit. one because yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if that's a real car or not, but I don't know it. Yeah, the um, the Walking House deposit, um, <laughs> the Compensator. Like, uh, mm. what was this one? Um, we got all these different names for these cars, so they're going like to follow it. their own weird convention. Um, was that a burning bus? Oh, yeah. They, so this is... Um, yeah, so as part of the Wolf Creek kind of Easter eggs that we're adding for okay. it, this okay. will be a, one of the cars that comes back towards the player. So it'll be a full tour bus. So essentially... Uh, yeah, it's going to be really unique asset. Like I've seen a few tour buses made, um, a few that are not even on the marketplace yet, but this is going to be an Australian tour bus. So it'll look completely different. So we're focusing on vehicles that no one has in their country or they're rare. They're more Australian vehicles. Like obviously the this is the car that you saw obviously on my Twitter the other day. F uh 1979 Ford F100 is an American car, but the thing about this car is that it's got hunting racks on the side of it, so it's been modified heavily. So mm. if you don't know, in Australia we have a kangaroo problem. So what hunters <laughs> will do is they'll shoot kangaroos and then they'll tie their tail around the hooks on this car. Oh, okay. So that's what it's for. 
I so see. essentially, um, I'm focusing on a lot of Australian cars. Like the chimney, you'll probably, well, they call this a Jimmy, but I call it chimney um, or juice box. <laughs> um, you see that everywhere. But cars like the Commodore, uh, the Utes, uh, the Land Cruisers, they're all very Australian cars. Like I was going to say, I don't know um, any of these. <laughs> you know, like Holden's actually gone out of business in Australia. They stopped manufacturing. But when they did, a Commodore like this, a new Commodore, whoop, did it just disappear? Oh, God, the photo just disappeared. I don't know where that's from. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, Contr- God, Control Z. Um, yeah. Maybe. It's just gone. Uh, I'll find the photo again later and replace it. <laughs> but photos yeah. like the Commodore, uh, cars like the Commodore are very popular in Australia, especially among collectors um, because they're no longer made. So mm. that's what I'm focusing on because you can make a Mustang, you can make all these American cars, and that's fine. But when are you going to see an Australian car? You know, there's no Australian yeah. cars in the sandbox. And that's what I'm trying to fill. That's my goal in the sandbox. One of my main goals is to fill that Australian niche. So even people in the sandbox that, you know, like their cars or, you know, virtual car collectors are like, I've never seen something like that. I want that. And I'm like, yes, I've got yeah. what you want, you know, because yeah. you can make a million American cars and that's fine. But when are you going to see an Australian car or something uniquely Australian that, you know, it's not available in the US market. Yeah. No, like, I think I think that's a clutch idea. And then and, see these are some of the assets I was talking about before. So this is for the bushfire or the forest region. So I have all these different bushfire related assets, signs, barriers, you know, road signage. A lot of this is these will be different variants of the same sign. Unique um you know, trees and wildlife as well. Uh-huh. Um, that's why I'm coming back to the Wolf Creek Easter egg. This will definitely be in there somewhere. Um, it's a bit of an Easter egg. We've got our beach biome here. So, and this is just the start. We've got a lot to be added to this list. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Something that just popped in my head, just another random crafter thought. Have you guys thought of doing like an underwater ecosystem? Um, weirdly enough, we've already got a shark made, a great white. Yeah. But it might be hard to do it with Game Maker, mm. like do an underwater tunnel. Yeah, I have no like, idea if it would be hard or not, but it sounds like it would be hard. Because um, if they may, if Fox had allowed you to make a transparent tunnel, I would do it. Mm. But you can't do transparent items. You, you can do... Mm, it gets hard, put it yeah. this way. It gets yeah. really hard to do it. So we're kind of a little bit limited in that fact. But um, yeah, we'll see what we can do because it's always interesting um, to push Game Maker, Vox Edit, and all of that to yeah. new heights. I was just like, I was just thinking because you, you also have a, a lot of unique uh underwater life in australia so it would just be another another lane. yeah I, but i've got i've got the great white like um i think hold on let me i think i've got it somewhere i think it's on my twitter if you have a look you'll see all the animal assets that i'm working on uh let me pull it up here it's nothing particularly special but i just thought i'd make it as a fun little side project 
just keep scrolling, scroll. What is it? Should be in there. This? Keep going. No, no, no. Keep going. It's oh, one that's dingo. got all of them in. Yeah, that's the crocodile. Oh, there it was. Yeah, this? there we go. Yeah, so you can see the great white there. Three different styles of uh, kangaroo, okay. dingo, emu, crocodile, koala, and platypus and wombat on the sides. So. Heck yeah. yeah we've those got the full look... Yeah, Sorry. you got them all. You got them all. And those all look great. I didn't, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't scroll far enough back when I was doing my pre-show stock. I didn't I didn't get to these. So some of them are more basic bigger. than others, but the kangaroo, emu, dingo, and crocodile have the best animations out there. Like OG Shakespeare made the crocodile you're looking at at the moment, uh -huh. and that thing moves and walks like a crocodile. It's scary. Like That thing is bloody scary. <laughs> it's quite big as well. It's got I was going to say, of... how big is it? It looks pretty big. Oh, it's... How big it's... would it be compared to like a normal size avatar? It's probably about knee height, I would say. But uh -huh. its length is quite long. And it's like girth longer is quite than... long. Yeah. yeah, it looks it's like quite... it, would... Yeah. it looks like it would at least be the size two of an avatar. Avatars two long. avatars. Yeah. yeah, the tail makes it quite long quite girthy and it's got like <laughs> swim animation boy. so you can use you could use that in and i'm not trying to talk myself up but i'm just giving people ideas that in your own game because it's got idle animations you could use it as like a so it's like there's a game it's always in arcades where you got to cross the road frogger frogger like a frogger sort of game yeah. you could use it in a pvp arena kind of game it's got a lot of uses because of how many um, animations we've got to it. The four nice. core animal avatars that we've got there, so kangaroo, dingo, koala, uh, no, sorry, emu, ko uh, kangaroo, crocodile, and dingo have the most animations and they're completely custom. So they're very high quality in terms of what we're offering. The kangaroo especially is uniquely hard to animate it took a long time to get it to yeah. where it is now, just because of how have scuffed you, the kangaroo moves. Have they you kind shown of. It? There might be if you scroll up. It might be before it. Yeah, I think I put it up there somewhere. I've got it. If not, I can pull it up and Vox edit and show it. Hopefully. Let me. Because that. I, I haven't like. I don't really, I haven't studied the kangaroo, but, <laughs> but, um, I, I feel like it has a very unique movement that is, would be tough to like replicate. Let me see if I can find, I'm just pulling up Vox edit at the moment. We've got hundreds of files, so it might just take me a second. I know there it is. Uh, oh, Shakespeare's in the chat. What up Shakespeare? Um, he said that a bit over six blocks. Is I mean, assuming how how long it was the alligator? Yeah, I can pull it up and I can pull it up in Game Maker in a second as well. I'm just pulling. Uh, it's just taking a while to load. I don't know what its stick is at the moment. But welcome in, OG Shakespeare. Yeah, what up, OG? We were talking you up. You're a legend. Um. Oh, here's the emu. Uh, the emu. 
that thing is quite big in game as well, quite high. So it's yeah. not it's not that deep in depth or length, but it's quite high. Like it's bigger than the Avatar. The emus remind me of um oh I blanked on it. Harry Potter. Um da, 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 can't remember. It's the thing that he that he rides. It can fly. I don't know. Are you a Harry Potter fan at all? <laughs> Let me not. just show. Am I showing my screen at the moment by any chance? Uh, I don't think so. Um, Let me start again. Yeah, you got to share it again. And I can pull it up. And there we go. Should be OG, sharing. OG Shakespeare also says underwater clear box, totally doable. Oh, yeah, he, he knows more than me. He's the legend. <laughs> I'm just the brains of the operation. He's the man. That, he's the muscle. He makes it happen. Same with um, OG. Uh, what's his name? Uh, his other peasant Aussie. What's his bloody name? Um, brain farting. What's it called? What's his bloody <laughs> name? Um, Cyber Dragon. That's it. Cyber Dragon. Yep. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this is the kangaroo. So you can see it's, we tried to remain without going blocky. Like, I don't know if you ever saw my original draft of a kangaroo when I was first trying to do it. It looked horrible. This is absolutely phenomenal. I think OG Shakespeare made this, refined it to this, I believe. So It looks sweet. I want so one. <laughs> I love, really? I, I remember always loving kangaroo whenever I was like a kid. It was one of those, I feel like probably a lot of kids think kangaroos are cool. Oh, 100%. At least American kids. I don't know. I guess I don't know. The the dicks in Australia. (laughs) They're complete dicks. So it's got like, it's got quite a lot of animations. So you can see it actually hops. Yeah. So in game, when this is running at you, (laughs) yeah. It it actually works pretty well. Like, it's got quite a few animations to it. So depots. All my assets I try and do as high as possible. So and still in my eyes to do it as high you know, high level as possible. So, you know, it looks perfect. Like little things like the ear twitching. Like OG uh-huh. Shakespeare did a really good job on that. Like, you know, the kang in real life the kangaroo would be sitting on its tail when it kicks, but it's just hard to animate that, so we've left it like this. But sure. it looks really good in game when it's attacking you. So yeah. It looks like it would be awesome. Let's see if we can find the crocodile in a second. But um, yeah, these assets are phenomenal. Uh, let me see if we can find it. Mm-hmm. So you guys are thinking March for hopefully, fingers crossed. That's March. yeah, fingers crossed. That's the goal at this point. Yeah. It's just um. You know, things like Game Maker bugs could slow us down. Like, we work really fast. When a studio, and OG Shakespeare can attest to this in chat, we're a studio that says what we're going to do and delivers on that date. We're not a studio that half-asses, you know, to cuts corners. Um, um, we do what we say we're going to do. That's so, respectable. You know, and it, I would imagine you know, based on based on the, the caliber of team that you have around you. Uh, yeah, I, wouldn't, like, I wouldn't expect anything less. Like we've shown like the 32 voxel guys, um, 
they've got a studio of like 10 people and they've worked across the board in Game Maker. They've got their, I think they've done a, um, Game Maker projects in the past. They've worked for the Sandbox in the past on certain select assets for alphas so we've got a team of very dedicated and experienced people like two of us are staff um you know we've got people who have just had years of experience in the sandbox and know what they're doing so we're not a rookie studio at all like obviously this is our first project but we know exactly what we're doing and that's why we're able to produce assets like this because obviously i tell people like og shakespeare what i want and then kind of manage how it looks and how it turns out. And then we end up with high quality assets like the one we've got here. Like you can see the length of this bugger. She is big. Like just putting it in a grid so you can see the block sizing. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. Five and a half. Yeah. We have five and 5.4 blocks in length. Big. It's about <laughs> 1.4 blocks cross and width so it's like a block or two high yeah so it's it's quite detailed and a lot of these assets they're pretty hard to you know um put together they can be pretty time consuming i know og shakespeare spent a long time on this one just because of how difficult it was and you know it looks the most realistic in my opinion it's the most realistic crocodile that's on the you know sandbox at the moment there's a few other ones but I don't find them to be as realistic as this one, but that's just my personal bias. So, you know, I don't know if I've seen any others. I probably have, but this one definitely looks real. So I love it. Um, how did how did you guys all how did you guys all come together and um, become working on on in what what do you call it? Roost Studios. Yeah, Roost Studios. So, um. For Cyber Dragon, um, there's only there's very few Australians in the space. We're like a dime a dozen. Um, they used to be the Blaze guys. I don't think I might be yeah. wrong, but I don't think they're no. I think they moved away from the space because they've say, moved I on to. I haven't heard much from them lately. Other things. I could be wrong, but yeah, I haven't seen might. them in a while. But they're, they've been quiet at least. Yeah, um, and then there were three Australians and staff. One has since moved on. And then there's just Cyber Dragon and myself. And being the only Aussies, we're like, we're just like two magnets. We're, we're attracted yeah. to each other. And it just started off as, you know, general Australian banter between other Aussies. And it's just developed into this friendship where we help each other where we can. And that's how we kind of met. We, we're both staff um, for the Sandbox, him and Game Maker, me more on the community side. And we just chat all the time. And it led to ideas popping in between each other and then the formation of an Australian game. Obviously, he was working on his own stuff. He's got his own project called... Actually, I don't know if I can tell you what it's called. Um, but <laughs> um, essentially, he's working on his own thing. But then he kind of approached me like, hey, do you want help with this? So I roped him into helping me on Trouble Down Under. He's been doing a lot of um, the game maker testing because he understands it like the back of his hand because that's his job. Yeah. Um, OG Shakespeare is. I think originally I just contacted him um, after a stream, after one of his streams, to help me with an asset, and it yeah. just really flourished from there. Like he's um, an American, and 
really good guy, knows what he's doing with assets as well as game maker, so he's a tool of all trades. And we just really, you know, um, kicked it off and just, you know, I asked him to work on this project, and he went, yep, sweet. And we've been great ever since then, just like the power couple of the sandbox in a way, just, you know, chilling. And um, the 32 Vox guys are managed by a guy called Mr. Selective. Um, and I met him through Cyber Dragon because he was working for Cyber Dragon at the time. So we've all met through the Sand Fam essentially and just, you know, just flourished into our own studio and are working on a common goal, you know? Right. Yeah. So that's, that's what, that's what it's, it's all about. It, it sounds it's not. Sorry. So, uh, I was just saying, it sounds like a, a common, a common story. I've, I've definitely yeah. heard of from from others as well like that that seems seems to happen we're all we're all very similar we're we're passionate about the same things and it's easy to find people to collaborate and work together with here yeah like i feel like you can um what they call it networking is a major part of the sandbox if you're in the studio space like originally i never wanted to be a studio i always just wanted to be a peasant doing my own thing um but circumstances came together i met the right people networked a bit know a lot of other studios talk to other studios like you know um the boop boop guys fun guy guys mm-hmm. um sandstorm guys all those big studios studios like yourself um we all talk so networking has helped me get to where i am going at the moment and that's what i would give the advice to your listeners is that you have to network you need to go to certain events virtually or non-virtually and network with these people build relationships because one thing i'm trying to do with my games is i want to put other people's games in my games in advertising so i was talking to uh batman the other day about that with his set of games mm-hmm. put a billboard with their goblins on it and it's yep. like you know there's a neutral there's no obligation to do it in their game but it's this thing of building relationships that way you know yeah. you can do it in so many different ways but helping another studio it gives your studio a good rep and it also helps to build relationships and that networking is what is crucial not not only just for your game for the success of your game but your brand as well in just growing because i might if i need something i might just ask you know um once in a blue moon hey uh sandstorm i'm coming out with these assets can you guys cross promote this and they'll do it because i've helped them out in the past or they might just do it because you know i'm a great guy i've done work for them in the past i've helped them out in the past with sandbox relays you know it's that networking that's key and sometimes you do it for non-selfish reasons you're just like hey i want to help you out i'm going to do this for you and that's the thing about the sandbox you need to do things without expecting something in return sometimes because People remember that. They'll be like, hey, that yeah. guy did me a favor a while ago. He didn't ask for money or anything. He just did it because he wanted to be helpful. And that is the most important thing. Yeah. So I'm rambling. 100%. No, no, you're preaching. That's that I was <laughs> I was just sitting here just nodding my head. And it's like, hell yeah, you're, you're hitting on all, all of the all the good things there. That's it's so true. And I mean, 
I'm in a fortunate place to be able to network with a lot of really, really cool, <laughs> cool people in this in this space, thanks to the show that I started. But like even that that's such good advice to everyone uh, that's listening in, like just just network, make friends, talk to people, um, offer value when you can accept it when it gets offered back to you. Like it's it's such a it's just this is such a great place to do that um it won't it won't be like this forever unfortunately um but this is the best time to be networking in my opinion is because these are the people that are here right now are the ones that are really dedicated to the to the space and seeing it grow and turn into what we believe it will be one day yeah Um, like obviously still be careful because there are a few scumbags definitely in the sand (laughs) fam that have a history and i think you know who I'm referring to, um, <laughs> I, I of, of ruining people or trying to screw people over in the sandbox. Um, so that's always going to happen. Yeah. But there's a... a group of people in the sandbox, and I can list them off. There's about 20 people I know of all studios or just individuals that are just legends and will do anything they can to help you and have been around for eons and are trusted. Obviously, still try and network with other people that are less known, but just kind of exercise a bit of caution because there is a few people in the sand fam that are less than honest, but still go out of your way to network because networking is the key to success. And I don't know how many people said that in the past, but it is so true and it will lead you so far in the sandbox because you can only go so far by yourself. You need to open yourself up to other people and you need to basically um, leverage relationships with you ca- where you can without being selfish about it. Like, you know, not take advantage of people, but you can leverage relationships, you know, in a neutral way, which is beneficial for both parties right. and come out with a desired result. Like, don't, don't try and, uh, what's this? Don't try and pull off like four dimensional chests like they do in suits. Is it suits? Uh, suits? Is that a show? Yeah, it's that the, you're referencing. The, my my wife's yeah. watching that right now. I, I I haven't watched it, but she's yeah, watching I, it. <laughs> it's like the lawyers, and it's an American. Yeah, you're firm you're probably and, you're probably right. Yeah, your, your uh, reference it, is probably spot on. It yeah, just went like, over my head. <laughs> don't like don't try and four dimensionally manipulate people and uh, to do what you want, but you want to build these relationships that are actually crucial. Because that's what will get you far in the sandbox. Yeah. Um, by the way, I'm sharing my screen again. Could you switch over for? Yes, sir. Two seconds. So this was made. This is the emu. This was made by another one of my artists. Um, they do some great work. So this one is super, super talented. And even though that, so the way I like my assets are non-blocky and non-high face. So this one is done using um, block texturing instead of using layers to texture an asset. In my opinion, it looks better and works better in Game, making, game Maker and Vox Edit when you make something using blocks instead of using more faces, if that makes Because if you know how uh, to texture right, you can get away with it without using too many blocks. Like, I'm not... I don't think I'm following. We, what are you? Yeah. So let me explain a different one. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you can make something with a million bits and bobs and faces, and it looks really cool. But 
in terms of performance, it's going to be really bad because it's got a different, it's got a trillion different okay, nodes yeah, and yeah. faces. Now I'm following. It. Yeah. If you okay. make it with blocks that are more blocky but well textured, and you can hide the fact that it's a bit blocky, like the emu, you can actually get a lot of performance with very similar looking features. Like it won't look slightly as good as the one with a billion nodes but it'll still do its purpose like if you're looking at this one for example doesn't have that many parts you know Uh but it's textured really well so it looks phenomenal so the tech the texturing is one thing that i'm always blown away by like that 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 i mean there's lots of things that i'm not great at in (laughs) in box editing game maker but the like texturing though it's like this for example like it just blows me away like i i don't have the artistic (laughs) eye to do to do it but whenever it's done right man it just it looks awesome and this one looks awesome yeah so it's another little tidbit a lot of you guys already know this but try and avoid using too many nodes because it will um cause you problems with animating it will also tank performance and the sandbox is eventually trying to get on xbox and mobile phones so if you make something too chunky she ain't going to go on she's not going to be able to be published or she's not going to be able to be used in certain experiences that are on mobile phone eventually if that happens so you got to keep an eye on that yeah that's a good tip cuz i've 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 wondered that that spe- that specific thing is i wonder how some of these games are going to perform whenever mobile does become a thing and you're definitely going to have to think think for that or i don't know i wonder i wonder how they're going to i wonder if you'll be able to like say yes this is a mobile game or no this shouldn't be a mobile game maybe they'll have something like that yeah it's still a year away at least <laughs> yeah yeah so well that's what seb said last ama i don't know what the reality is but so you could smooth off the ears here and make it more like, you know, smooth. But the thing is, it just adds unnecessary nodes to this thing. Like this has probably got 25 nodes to it. If you start going into the hundreds, what, close to the hundreds, then you start running into problems. Even if they're tiny little nodes, it all adds up. So I've given this guy a bit more of a blocky feel, but you still know that's a koala. Still Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So it's little things like that, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I gotta fix the animations on that, but um, you know. It's just that's my little stick, you know. Just Dude. things I've learned over years. I've made so many errors in the sandbox, it's not funny, but um you learn from these mistakes that's and how you think, learn. You know, that's the thing. You got to learn from your mistakes and be willing to change. Because there's a few people that I've run into that are not willing to change. Just look at some of the previous games in Alpha Seasons. They did not want to change. Yeah. And it caused a lot of problems for their studios in terms of rep. And it also peed a lot of people off that they wouldn't fix their mistake, would at least admit to their mistake. Yeah, that happens. Was this is this the snake that you just pulled up? Yeah. Yeah. So it's quite a cool asset. Um, it's kind of hard. It's really hard to do a snake because of how many um, nodes it's got, just because of its shape. 
Like this one's not actually too bad, but I've seen snakes with a million nodes to it. Yeah. So, and getting yeah. it to sliver like that is a pain in the bum. <laughs> it looks really good though. Yeah. You guys did a good job at it. Um, I remember who made this one, but yeah, it's quite it's quite cool. Um, I like that. But yeah, yeah. getting back to it. Um, yeah, is there anything else like? Um, I was going to say, unless you have anything, I feel like we've like touched on a lot and this was a great, a great episode so far. Um, I was going to say if you, um, what the heck's going on with my screen? So I just stopped sharing. Yeah. I'll switch it over if I can figure it out. Um, there we go. There we go. He's on it. Thank you. Simple. Um, if you want to take the stage, one last time and we'll kind of wrap things up, but I'll give you the stage and you can uh, just shout out where people can support you, follow you, uh, all that fun stuff. And then we will wrap it up for tonight. Cause I think, I think it's been a good, a good show. I'm going to do the giveaway here at the end. Um, you can hang out with us if you, if you want to see who wins the giveaway, otherwise you can bounce after, after we say our goodbyes. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think this is a great, great spot to wrap up for tonight. Yeah, so anyone who's missed it, um, just coming in now, missing the party, uh, thank you for having me on the show today. Um, we've just gone through basically Roost Studios, the plans for our studio, what we're working on, Trouble Down Under Part 1, 2, 3, our future plans, NFT drops, um, gone over a bit of like just advice around the sandbox, um, networking, um, just how my studios formed the people I've working with the legends that um, have been formed um, yeah all of those kind of things just a bit of a tangent um, because I've got you guys here and I work in the sandbox watch out for scams there's a lot of scams <laughs> out there in the sandbox um, I know I'm probably a broken record here but I see it daily people getting ripped off and scammed because of my role in the sandbox please do not click links that you don't understand or have not um you don't know where it's come from there are very sophisticated scams replicating the sandbox if people are offering you free stuff 99 percent of the time it's a scam the sandbox will not ask you to download something via email please do not fall for the season four scam it's so common we <laughs> don't do that it's a scam please ignore those emails and report them to us so we can take action. Same thing with minting, same thing with land sales, a lot of scams in that path. Please don't fall for them because it sucks when I see people lose all their life savings in crypto because of that stuff. Um, besides than that, keep working hard on your projects, keep being, you know, legends in your own right. And yeah, keep a hold of my um, Twitter, OG Shakespeare's Twitter, Cyber Dragons Twitter, 24 Vox, uh, Fox Studios Twitter. Um, and yeah, we'll keep you posted about Trouble Down Under and what's coming because we are working on some big stuff and we'll also be oh, giving yeah, away some stuff in the future. So yeah, it's a pleasure being here, mate. And um, I'll let you wrap up because it's probably what, eight o'clock your time, nine o'clock your time? Uh, nine o'clock, nine o'clock my time. About ready to start winding down. But uh, hell yeah, dude, it was, it was great getting to know you a little bit better and learning about all the all the awesome stuff that you guys got coming up. I'm excited to, to see everything that you're working on come to fruition. And I'm definitely going to play along 
Um, so uh, you definitely you definitely earned at least one one new fan. I I knew of you and I was excited to get to know you, and now now I love you. So um, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to have you back on the show again whenever we get uh, closer to. Uh, uh, bu- 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 the first stage, the, yes. the level, um, or what are, what are you calling it? Stages? I'm messing it all up for you. Trouble down on the part one, yeah. <laughs> part one, part one, yes. Because part one's part one's done, part two won't be far behind because we're already 70% through part two because we're doing that before we started on one, but yeah. Um, anyways, mate, I'll let you do your giveaway because I'll just sit here and yabble all day. Um, That's usually what happens. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks everyone for coming along and uh, look forward to see you guys in the future at some point. Right on. Appreciate you, brother. We'll we'll chat with you again soon. All right. Ladies, buddy. Peace.